This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, exclusively on the Bun 2.0, KBUNFM 104.5. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors is sponsored by Bonded Lock and Key and DS Beverages. Well, we're checking in with Steve Ballou. He has, uh, for many years, headed up the Cystic Fibrosis Walleye Classic, which is coming up. Uh, just over a week from now, it'll be Friday and Saturday, October 4th and 5th, the banquet Friday night, and the uh, the event uh, will be Saturday. And, and how many years is this now, Steve? This is our 18th year. Wow. Eight- unbelievable. That, <laughs> uh, you know, when I started printing these posters up again and I seen that it was the 18th year, it's uh, just hard to believe that it's been that long that we've been putting this on. And you've, you've run this uh, on, the, on the Cast Lake chain every single year, correct? That's correct. Yeah, we've always just been on Cass Lake, and uh, of all the uh, 17 years prior to this one, and same this year, we're just on Cass Lake. So uh, you need to stay on Cass Lake proper? Correct, yeah. The, even though we're connected to the other chain of lakes like Pike Bay and Andrusia, uh, fishing is only allowed on Cass Lake. Okay. Uh, the Cystic Fibrosis Walleye Classic, as we say, has been around a long time, and it's always been that first weekend in October, so you kind of the last tournament of the year there seems to be getting a few more fall tournaments but this one still uh, holds out as the as the latest one that i can think of yeah we've always done it the first saturday in october and and we haven't uh, altered from that one and it seems to work out well for everybody it's kind of the last hurrah for the year a lot of the guys after this tournament uh, put the boats away and go hunting yeah well it's yeah it is definitely that time of year for that as well uh, $300 per team. There's a 70-team max, and I'm assuming we can still sign up at this point. Yeah, you can either give me a call or you can go on the website uh, at the Cystic Fibrosis Walleye Classic.com, and you can register that way, too. Okay. Well, for years, you, you had it at your resort, but uh, obviously uh, you're out of the resort business now, so you've made a move as to as to where we headquarter that tournament. Yeah, we actually moved over to Stony Point Resort Um Jim, uh, over at the resort, has fished my tournament. I believe he has done it at least uh, 16 years. He missed one year because of uh, health issues. But he uh, very supportive of us, it wanted to keep this tournament going, and he offered his resort over there, and it worked out excellent. Uh, we were there last year, and, and that's where we'll be at again this year. Okay. Uh, the Cystic Fibrosis Walleye Classic obviously is a fundraiser to battle cystic fibrosis. And, Steve, we always ask you this, but there's always new people who don't know the story. Why do you uh, put this tournament on, and why is CF important to you? I uh, lost a son uh, at 17 years old to cystic fibrosis. I have a daughter that is 32 years old now uh, that has cystic fibrosis. So it's kind of a it's a disease that's more like... Most common people would know that it's like pneumonia. So it's a constant fight with the lungs to keep them clear and and the medicines and the treatments that you need to do every day to keep those lungs as healthy as you can. But it is a progressive disease, and and basically a lot of them, once they get into their 30s and, and 40s, alts for a, a double lung transplant if that's what they choose to do, and, and that's kind of what direction that they go or, uh, you know, some cases are more severe than others. Uh, my daughter is lucky enough, and it's because of these fundraisers that we do and everybody else does. There's research being done continually to try to find a cure, and they're getting closer and closer. 
But along with that, they come up with new medications and new treatments for these people with cystic fibrosis. And that's what basically has helped her in the last five years is there's always some new medication or new treatment coming out that has kept her fairly healthy. Yeah, she uh, continues to uh, be very active, and I know she's often at the tournament as well. Yep, she'll be up again this year. Uh, I talked to her, in fact, this morning, and her and her husband will be up to the banquet, and they hang around during the tournament. And it seems like it's become kind of a family thing. A lot of the teams have fished this tournament year after year, and they've gotten to know my daughter and the family and the cystic fibrosis and what it is. And so it's become kind of a a large family now that, that does the tournament. All right. Um, and we'll get into the details of the tournament in a little while, but let's talk a little bit more about cystic fibrosis. Uh, you, you said it was like pneumonia. It's a lung issue, uh, and it's just a situation where at this point it just doesn't get better. Um, there are, as you noted, some things and some therapies that, that, that can make it tolerable, uh, but it just, uh, it just doesn't go away. No, and it affects more than just the lungs. I mean, uh, the lungs is the major part of it. Uh, but it also affects the digestive system, the sinuses. Uh, most patients with cystic fibrosis are very small-framed, um, very thin uh, build. Uh, it's hard for them to digest the food. They take medications when every time they eat uh, to help digest, to help them try to gain weight. Um, she does treatments three times a day, and each treatment will take her about a half hour to 45 minutes she has a vest that she puts on, and the vest actually physically shakes her to try and break the mucus loose in the lungs, and all CF patients are that way. They have to do some type of physical therapy to break up that mucus along with inhaled antibiotics and inhaled nebulizers to try and break up that mucus and any bacteria that's in the lungs. Yeah, and when it, when it comes to autoimmune diseases, uh, the cost is is really astronomical and a, and a big factor as well. So all the things you can do for for these things is really important. Absolutely. Huh? You know, and that was the big thing that we do these fundraisers is to try and forward that research and and try to help these patients out, uh, you know, financially also the, to to get rid of some of these huge astronomical medical bills and these medicines that these kids take and the equipment that they use. But just, you know, any way to help out, and that's why we continue with the tournament every year, just to, to forward that. Now, when, when, when someone is, and I presume they're born with cystic fibrosis, correct? Yes, um, and, and some are diagnosed right away. Um, others are not diagnosed for years. It all depends on the severity of each case is different. In our case, my son wasn't diagnosed until he was five and a half years old. So he had a lot of lung damage done. The doctors and pediatricians couldn't figure out what was wrong with him until finally we took him to University of Iowa where he was diagnosed uh, with the cystic fibrosis. Well, when we had our daughter, uh, there was like a one in four chance that she would have cystic fibrosis. We took her down at one month old to have her tested, and she tested positive. So we started medications and treatments immediately on her. So that's why she has done as well as she's done is just these continual treatments. And you have to be, uh, you know, very regular with these treatments. It's not skip a day or two and 
and we'll pick it up the third day down the road. It's it's every day you do your treatments or you're going to get, uh, you know, more severe lung infections and you'll end up in the hospital. How many people have CF in, in the States? Even, uh, the current count, I think, is around 30,000 in the United States. So, so it's, it's like one in, one in every 30 people have some form of cystic fibrosis, whether it's a being a carrier of the defective gene or whether you have the cystic fibrosis itself. There's some uh, individuals that have CF that you wouldn't know that they really have it, and they're up in their 40s, 50s. There's one individual down at Sioux Falls that does a uh, golf tournament, and he's close to 70. So it's just wow. a matter of how severe your, your case is. Um, the, my daughter has a fairly moderate case, so she's constantly in a struggle with, with the treatments and, and the infections and so forth. But she's very adamant about her treatments, that she, she does them, and wherever she goes, and no matter where she's at, she continues them treatments, and they have to do that. Okay. The the event itself, again, is coming up October 4th and 5th. You started out with a banquet at the Eagles Club Friday night. What happens there? Um, we opened up the doors at 530, so there's kind of a happy hour and mingle amongst everybody and get together. You register. Those that have pre-registered for the tournament will pick up their paperwork and their fish bag and their numbers that they'll take with them in the boat. Those that have not signed up yet we still do sign up at the door and they can register that night at the banquet uh, as long as we don't hit that 70 mark which we've come close a couple of times but we've never hit that 70 we had 68 one year so we were we were close on that one but they can register there at the door they do not have to fish the tournament if you want to come and participate there are dinner tickets available for 30 dollars at the door Um, there is a roast beef dinner that served at the eagles that night so if they want to participate in in the banquet that night, we go through the rules meeting, and then after we're done with the rules, there's actually an auction. We have a live auctioneer, and there's homemade items and auction items that are auctioned off that night. Okay. And then the next day, it's off to Stony Point and Cass Lake, and you take off what time? We take off at 8 o'clock, and we finish up at 3 o'clock. Um, they have a, a very unique harbor system there that, very protected area it's nice that all the boats can gather in that harbor and we release everybody one at a time very organized out of there and very safe so it's worked out very well okay and the uh what what are the basic rules how many fish can you take and i'm assuming you follow the the standard minnesota slot yeah we do the the minnesota rules so you there's two fishermen in the boat so you can have one walleye for each fisherman over 20 inches or you can bring in six walleyes that total is all you can bring in. So two of them can be over 20. If you can't get anything over 20, they all can be under that 20 range. But we also have a minimum size that we go with, and we go 15 inches or larger. Okay. All right, so six total fish, and two can be over that 20-inch mark. Correct. How? Uh, what does it take to win that tournament? I mean, it's it's fall fishing. The, the walleyes are usually a bit, little bit bigger than we see in some of the earlier tournaments. Uh, must take a pretty decent bag to win that baby. You know, in, over the years, we've seen weights that range anywhere from 15 pounds for those six fish. I think the biggest year that we had, we had a 22-pound bag. And they had a couple of six. I think they had one six-pounder, and they had one eight-pounder in there of the two over. But typically, the bag limit bags will be in that neighborhood of around 15 to 18 pounds 
for first place, and then it dribbles on down from there. We pay out uh, the first 20 places, and then plus we make it interesting. We skip all the way up to 30th, and we pay $500 for 30th place. So even if you've caught one fish, that could put you right at that 30th spot and get you $500. Okay. Well, you're going to have to be a pretty good angler to pull this off because Cast Lake has always been a... Uh, a low light fishery and it's even more so now and so you're fishing in the middle of the day it's a you got to be pretty smart and you got to be pretty diverse if you're going to find those big fish you know and it depends on the weather yeah a cloudy day or a windy day makes a difference i mean if you got a a sunshine bright sunshine calm day then it's going to be pretty tough on them but uh, you get some wind and you get some clouds and the guys seem to always find them all right. Now, uh, you got a website that people can check out? or They can go to cysticfibrosiswalleyeclassic.com. That'll have pictures from last year's tournament and other tournaments from other years. You can get registered online, and all the information's on there also if you want to give us a call. All right. What about, uh, just let's help out a listener who maybe uh, has a newly diagnosed child or maybe is newly diagnosed with cystic fibrosis themselves. Where did they go to get help? Basically, the local medical clinics, uh, cystic fibrosis has become a lot more well-known than it had been 20 years ago. So a lot of the local clinics know about it, but as far as getting tested and so forth, they'll probably forward you on to either Fargo or University of Minnesota at Minneapolis. Okay. And, again, your tournament is coming up uh, next weekend, October 4th and 5th, Banquet at the Eagles Club Friday night. Tournament uh, starting at 8 o'clock, Stony Point on Cass Lake on Saturday and the weigh-in after that. Uh, Anything else we need to know, Steve, before we wrap it up? No, I think that's it. Uh, Like I said, if they want to participate, they can come and buy a meal ticket and be with us on Friday night and meet my daughter and learn a little bit more about cystic fibrosis. Steve Ballou, who heads up the Cystic Fibrosis Walleye Classic in its 18th year, coming up again October 4th and 5th with the banquet Friday night at the Eagles Club in Bemidji and the tournament on Cass Lake, headquartered at Stony Point Saturday. Steve, thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. All right, thank you. Coming up next, we talk hunting. For what? Yeah, pretty much everything. Matt Brewer joins us next. More of the great outdoors with Kev Jackson next on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors is sponsored by DS Beverages and by Bonded Lock and Key. And don't forget to check us out on the web, kbunsportsradio.com. Click on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. And we're on social media, so be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Well, you know, we always talk about deer hunting season. Deer hunting season's coming. Deer hunting season's coming. But there's so much more hunting to do before then. And one of the guys that I always lean on to get that information is Matt Brewer because he hunts for everything. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Thanks for having me. Um, let's start out with uh, with bear hunting. That's definitely one that's been going for a while. How has the bear season been in Paul Bunyan country this year? Uh, we only ran clients the first week, um, and they had 100% success on um, an opportunity. We had one gal that uh, was a first-time bear hunter, and she ended up, um, not being quick enough on the draw on one bear and then, uh, another bear, she was too, <laughs> a little bit too nervous to move, uh, to pull her gun up. And by the time she 
finally decided she was going to make a move. The bear busted her, and um, but we had had a couple of really nice bears that came through. Um, and like I said, everybody everybody harvested except for the one person, and she had uh, more than ample opportunity. But we had a like a 515 pounder, and one that we figured was 280 ish. Um, so we had some some really good bears come through, and like I said, we we wrapped it up pretty quick and uh once bird hunting started then you know kind of shifted gears to that obviously <laughs> early goose season and rough grouse and woodcock has kind of been uh, where where my mind is at uh haven't been out duck hunting yet but but there's a lot, there's so many things to do you can <laughs> only do one thing every day and you gotta pick and uh, right. choose but i'll hopefully do some duck hunting this weekend so uh, we, and I want to dive into all these other ones in a moment, but uh, back to the bears. I mean, we we you know we saw early summer, spring. There was a lot of bears wandering around the area, and I guess they're always there, but they were a little more visible this year for us to see. Um, but uh, I'm not, I guess I'm not surprised that you had a pretty good bear season. We got plenty of them here. Yeah, it was it was a little worrisome because um, everything was kind of wet and. And there was a lot of food, um, plenty of berries. The hazelnuts kind of came uh, into their prime right, right around opener, so we were worried about, you know, bears eating more uh, more natural foods. You know, they're obviously going to opt for things like uh, corn when it when it becomes uh, ripe for the picking. Um, they'll hit a cornfield way before they're going to hit uh, a bait station. So, But everything worked out. I mean, uh I think Hunter's success rate around the state was pretty decent this year. Uh, I'll be interested to see how the numbers actually come out. But, but yeah, plenty of bears around. Even if you uh, have a bear that is coming in and it shifts gears and, you know, starts to go for natural food, there's probably one behind it to take its place. <laughs> there's there's just no shortage of them. So it's always, it's always pretty good. I think we've talked about this before. I mean, a lot of people love uh, getting their own uh, bearskin rug and things like that. But uh, but but do you like the meat, right? Yeah, bear meat is excellent. Um, actually, out of all the wild animals um, and all the store bought uh, breakfast sausages I've ever tried, um, bear breakfast sausages by far my favorite. Um, and then bear roasts are excellent. Um, tenderloins are obviously great out of any animal. Um, and then we, we usually get some made into to burger, and that's always good for sloppy joes or spaghetti or whatever. And, uh, I don't know, select cuts are, are always good. I mean, bear meat is, as long as it's taken care of and prepared correctly, it's it's fantastic. What would you compare it to? Um, I would say it's similar to deer. I mean, it's... Okay. Uh, it's it's not a whole lot different than deer as long as like I said as long as you take care of the bear, um, get all that fat cut away and get all the silver skin and tallow pulled away, um, and you do that quickly because the longer it sits on there, the longer it'll uh, have to to kind of fescue its way into the meat. Um, so we we get it taken care of right away, get the bear cool, get the hide off as fast as possible. All those things are important when it comes to the meat you're going to take off a bear so when you're actually preparing it i mean does it does it dry out like venison can do or yeah i mean it'll it'll dry especially i mean you're taking all the fat content away from it right to make for better meat um so um if you're going to do something like a burger obviously you're going to cut it with something um to add a little bit of fat to it but 
but yeah, it, it is prone to drying, and so you got to do it kind of quick. And it's a little bit tricky with bear meat because um, they're finding a lot of cases of trichinosis. So mm. um, you have to cook the meat thoroughly, or what we do is actually freeze our bear meat for about four to six months before we start utilizing it, and then and then we can cook it, you know, sear it pretty quick and have it medium rare or rare, and and it's going to be good to go as long as you know, it's frozen for long enough. For most of your clients who are out hunting bear, I mean, is it a lot of repeat business? Is it a lot of new business? Is it people just the thrill of seeing a big animal like that? Yeah, I mean, it's mostly new clientele. Um, but we do have people that, you know, they apply, and it takes four to five years to draw a tag in our zone. So, um, you know, we'll see them every four to five years. <laughs> but, but. But they'll go home and they'll tell their friends, and then their friends are coming, and then their family members are coming. So we see a lot of the same faces over and over, but it's it's usually new people in the stands. Okay. All right. You were mentioning all the uh, hunting seasons that are going on now. Um, what are they all again? I mean, it sounds like a lot of a lot of flying a lot of flying creatures available right now. Well, you got pretty much everything. I mean, bear is open, mm-hmm. deer is open for archery, right, and then. You know, the youth season, we got that coming up over MEA weekend. We're pretty excited for that. We just started scouting yesterday. So, um, And then you got grouse season, and woodcock is open, ducks, geese, cranes. Um, you know, all those things are, are open. So basically whatever you want to chase right now, uh, Hungarian, partridge, sharp tail, they're all, they're all up and fair game right now. Dove season, <laughs> I believe we're in the, the first crow season as well. So, wow. Uh, Pretty much everything is is wide open, and then you know, obviously, we'll have deer season coming up in November. But that's my least favorite of all <laughs> <laughs> uh, of, of all the hunting seasons. Um, you know, the the most highly prized and most coveted in our state is the one I actually like the least. So, what is what is your favorite? Uh, I enjoy getting behind my dog, grouse and woodcock hunting, um, and then late season duck hunting when the diver ducks start to come and. And the big northern mallards start to show up on a lot of our lakes because we have so much rice. Um, I, I like that the most. I like watching my dog work and like watching the kids be able to harvest. Um, you know, so probably I'd have to say grouse and woodcock is probably my favorite thing. I would think that uh, that the cost of licenses might be a problem. I mean, that's a lot of licenses you need to buy. <laughs> yeah, luckily, um, like. For my kids, licenses uh, don't really cost much at all. It's like <laughs> a buck. Um, yeah, it doesn't. You know, so it doesn't cost a lot. For me, it gets a little spendy. But uh, you know, not having to buy any uh, meat or, or beef or poultry or anything, it uh, it makes up for it. I can shoot a lot of grouse and makes up for a heck of a lot of chicken purchase. So, so what have you been uh, hunting for lately? Mostly grouse and woodcock. And a little bit of a little bit of goose hunting mixed in here and there, but uh, my son he's he's really into woodcock hunting, so we've been getting home with the dog after school um, and and trying to harvest some woodcock and got a few bonus grouse out of it and hunted grouse opener pretty hard. Um, we only hunted for about five hours, but we hunted pretty hard in those five hours and and uh, the bird numbers aren't staggering. Um, you know, you got the 10-year cycle with rough grouse, and 
it usually peaks on the nines, so this year should be the peak year. Um, but we are seeing young birds, so I know there's a lot more birds out there. We're just we're uh, drowning in leaf cover. Uh, <laughs> the leaves are falling, but it's really hard to see, and uh, you flush a lot more stuff that you can't shoot at than you actually get flushing in front of you, and that, and that gives you an open lane with a shot. So, All of these things you mentioned, are, are, are they available here? Do we have to go a little ways to get to some of these uh populations no pretty much everything is available here except for um you know we don't really have sharp tail or hungarian partridge we're in the in the deeper forest so um you got to get up in the in the northern prairie before you start to see some of that stuff so once you get over you know like boston and northwest of there um, is where you're going to find sharp tail hungarian partridge prairie chickens which i believe that season starts maybe this weekend um, but that's a lottery draw, and, and lottery happened a long time ago, and I didn't get drawn this year. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, everything, all the prairie species are going to be found, you know, more western and northwestern Minnesota. So, so talk to me about crow season. People actually hunt crow. They do. I have only done it a couple times, and uh, and it's not something we <laughs> we do on a regular basis. Um, so you know, I'm I'm no expert on it, and I don't really even know a whole lot about it. But uh, but yeah, a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot of people that that love crow hunting. There's a very popular uh, crow guide in Minnesota, and uh, he goes by the Crow Man. And that guy knows everything there is to know about crows, and he he gets hired a lot. <laughs> it's a it's a fun shoot. It's kind of like. Uh, you know, if you've ever heard of someone going hunting pigeons at a farm that has a problem with pigeons, it's it's similar, but mm-hmm. crows are a lot smarter, and uh, they're one of the toughest birds to get in close. So it's long-range shooting, and uh, and you got to be really, really careful and wary, and they've got great eyesight, and they're very leery birds. So. <laughs> okay. Um, no, it's an old saying, P- uh, eating crow, that's not a good thing, so I'm wondering... Are these guys just trying to get rid of these crows, or are, are there people who actually uh, dine on them? I, I've i never eaten one, but I, <laughs> I know people do. Um, everything that I shot the, the couple times that I've, I've gone um, went, went with the person I was hunting with, and, and they were able to, to utilize them. However, I don't know if they, uh, you know, people find different ways to utilize meat. You can grind stuff for dog food. Um, you can use it as fertilizer. Um, so I, I don't know if they went to that or if, or if people actually eat them. So yeah, the only time I, I, I eat crow was when I make a, a Viking prediction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that happens often. A hundred percent crow eating there. Let me tell you. Right. All right. Uh, so that, so we're in the bird season now. Do you do any archery for deer? I don't. I ended up selling my bow about seven or eight years ago. Okay. Um, I, I used to be really big into it. I shot archery league, um, really enjoyed it, you know, bear hunted with a bow, stuff like that. Um, but the deeper I got into gun writing and, um, you know, writing about ammunition and, and the amount of times I sat in the deer stand and watched a grouse walk by and then decided to get down and go get my shotgun and go grouse hunting instead, um, it just wasn't worth it for me to keep a bow anymore. And, and like I said, deer hunting isn't really that important to me. So, um, so 
So I got rid of my bow and I'll stick to my gun. Have you heard from any of the archery uh, hunters out there how it's going? Yeah, I mean, social media is obviously, um, you, you've got the world at your fingertips and, and everything looks really successful. So it seems like, <laughs> it seems like people are doing well. Um, but no, I, I, I know quite a few, few people that do bow hunt and I've seen, um, you know, some pretty, pretty good videos and, and some nice deer harvested and it's, it's, you just drive around this area and you know that there's plenty of deer. Um, I can look out my window every evening or every morning and, and see plenty of deer. So I know there's no shortage of them. So if a guy's set up in the right spot, you're going to kill a deer. Okay. Um, I'm just curious when, when, when you hunt for so many different things, uh, how many different types of guns do you need to have? Well, realistically, you only need a couple. I mean, okay. a shotgun, you can get pretty much everything done with that. You can, you have a 12 gauge or a 20 gauge, you can shoot ducks and geese and crows and you can shoot slugs for deer. I mean, you really, realistically, you only need, uh, one or two guns. I mean, I like to predator hunt and deer hunting, I like using a rifle. So obviously I'm going to have a rifle, but it's not something that's a necessity. Mm-hmm. I could get away with probably just having one gun. All right. Are you, uh, are you the one, do you do any of the musket hunting? I used to muzzleloader hunt a lot, and when I do draw a bear tag, I always hunt them with a muzzleloader. Um, so I really enjoy muzzleloader hunting, but um, when deer hunting started to kind of fade for me um, was when they came out with the all-season deer tag, which allowed people to hunt um, archery, rifle, and muzzleloader on one tag. Um, and not saying there's anything wrong with that, but we kind of used to be able to muzzleloader hunt as a family and we were like the only people out in the woods you never saw anybody muzzleloader hunting and uh when that tag came out it became more popular and now you know the efficiency of muzzleloaders has gotten gotten so much higher that uh muzzleloader hunting is almost like rifle hunting now so there's a lot more hunters in the woods and kind of lost its uh lost its appeal for me and uh but i still when I draw a bear tag, I uh, I have my muzzle loader with me. Okay. How many of these various hunting uh, seasons and these uh, various critters do you actually guide for? Um, we, I, I mean, primarily for hunting, we are bears. Okay. Um, I, but we every year will take on maybe one to two deer hunters, and then um, we do quite a few waterfowl trips every year. So. Uh, we'll get people out after diver ducks, um, and then cranes have kind of become a high demand. We have a lot of people that want to shoot a crane that have never had a chance. And you know, growing up in in the crane zone in Northwest Minnesota, I I know where a lot of cranes are and have permission on a lot of fields that cranes use. So we we do a few trips for those as well. Yeah, there's is it, is there much crane hunting here? I'm guessing not. No, and we can't hunt them here. Okay. Uh, There's a specific yep. area you can hunt them in. Yep, specific zone. It's a northwest uh, crane zone, so um, it's only in northwest Minnesota. Gotcha. Your your old stomping grounds. Yep. Okay. It's a. Uh, I always, you know, uh, you have such a knowledge, and s- you basically spend 365 days a year outdoors. I am somewhat curious as to why you even bothered to own a house. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> kids got to sleep somewhere. I, I guess that's true. Um, I just I, it's it's always fascinating to talk with you because you you know so much stuff. Uh, what is it about the outdoors uh, that has made you so uh, enamored with it? Well, I mean, it was instilled in me as a as a kid. I mean, uh, like if I wanted to hang out with my old man, um, we were going to be either on the water or in the woods. So. If I wanted to spend time with my dad on a weekend, I was going goose hunting or grouse hunting or bear baiting with him or, you know, so, you know, we were, I grew up in a huge hunting family and, and, uh, don't get me wrong, there were times when I was younger where, like, hanging out with friends or partying or something like that <laughs> kind of took precedent. And <laughs> there were a few years I can think of in my youth where my dad was probably a little disappointed that I didn't hunt as much as I normally did, but, but, uh, um, but I don't know. It's, it makes me feel alive and it helps you clear your head and gets you out of the hustle and bustle. I mean, if you sit in an office all day, there's nothing better than kicking all your, uh, your work stuff off and throwing on a pair of ratty jeans and, and a good pair of boots and walking behind a bird dog. I mean, it, uh, it relieves stress and I don't know. It's just something I love, I guess. Yeah. Um, one of the other things you do a lot of is, is your mushroom hunter. Uh, how was that uh, season this year? Uh, it was and still is really good. Okay. Um, it's getting really hard now with all the leaves falling, especially like today's wind. I'm watching leaves fall like crazy. But um, with all the leaf litter on the ground now, it's getting very hard to see the mushrooms because they're actually being covered up by all the leaf litter. But uh, before the leaves started falling, it was, I mean, it was fantastic. Uh, one of the best years I've ever seen for mushrooms. Um, we had so much rain, and the temperatures were pretty mild. It kept everything kind of popping, and every time, you know, things would start to dry out a little bit, we'd get hit with more rain and more m- mushrooms would pop. I think I've had more people call or text or send me messages of mushrooms, what is this, what is this, what is this, um, than any year before, which is a, a good and bad thing. I mean... <laughs> Uh, it means there's a lot of mushrooms out there, which is great, but uh, but I can't be answering uh, eight million questions a day on what mushroom uh, a person sends me a picture of. So right, but I, it was a really good season. I mean, and if you can get out now, and uh, and you've got some areas that maybe are a little more protected and and aren't seeing as much leaf litter, uh, you can do really well. There's still a lot of stuff out and up. Matt Brewer uh, is is involved in a lot of things outdoors. I know Matt, you're doing a lot more, or not necessarily a lot more, but you you've done a lot of writing lately. I do. I know you do some photography. How can people take a look at that stuff? Um, the easiest way we we try to keep people updated on our Facebook page, so um, North Country Guide Service and Promotions on Facebook, or you can simply just go to our website, and uh, that's NorthCountryGuides.com, and we've got all of our social media links on there and uh, all our contact information as well. So, All right. Matt Brewer from North Country Guide Service, who is uh, Mr. Outdoors, and I just love uh, chatting with him because he's got such a vast knowledge uh, of, of everything outdoors. Matt, thanks for taking the time today, and good luck uh, hunting and fishing for whatever it is you're going to hunt for or fish for next. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you.